All right. Hey, it is so good to see each and every one of you. Happy five years. Isn't that incredible? So, so incredible. I wonder how many times we can say that in the service. Five years. Hey, this is what's so, so significant. I don't know if you know this, but uh, very few churches that start ever see five years. And so the fact that we're seeing five years, but not just seeing five years, but we're thriving and that we're having a huge impact, which we'll talk about today, is incredible. So just thank you guys for being a part of the Grove. Thanks for coming today. And uh, it's an honor to be a community with you, be a part of what God is doing here in Santa Fe and around the world. And so thank you so much. I also want to say thank you to all those tuning in online. If you couldn't make it today, we're glad you, you listened in to sometime today or sometime this week. And uh, we're glad you're with us on the ride also on the journey. Um, awesome. Hey, we're in week four of a series called My Big Fat Mouth. And um, I'm, I've, I've really enjoyed this series because it's very practical to every single one of us. All right. Every single one of us can get better in the aspect of the words that we use, the words that we say. And so if you missed the other three weeks, um, you can go back and, and catch them on our website, uh, our, our podcast or through Facebook Live. You can go see, see the, the messages back then. They're, they're still there. In fact, I would encourage you to do that because I think this would be a very helpful uh, series for you if you didn't catch all of the weeks. And even if you did, maybe go back and listen so you can have a reminder and a refresher on those. Week one, we talked about how words reflect our heart um, and how uh, the words that we speak, they're coming from the heart. So we have to guard that and we have to be aware of that because it reveals really what's going on the inside. And then we also said it directs and affects our, our li- the direction of our lives. So the words that we speak actually affect the direction of your life. That was week one. Week two, we talked about how our, our words that we use can hurt our relationship with God and how it can hurt our relationship with others. Then last week, we talked about how our words can actually hurt ourselves, um, which is really important to know because the words that you speak actually have an impact, uh, impact on yourself directly and on the others and those around you. And so uh, this is why this series has been so good. Um, really, it's a wisdom series. Wisdom says um, wisdom is really the, the ability to navigate life successfully. It's your relationships, your, your, your family, um, parenting, right, marriage, uh, the job, the workplace, uh, to be able to navigate all those things that come up in life. And a big part of wisdom is what we speak and what we say. And so this series has challenged us, hey, let's learn some wisdom from those that have gone before us, uh, like James and like Solomon and Proverbs and the other people, that, guys that wrote Proverbs and uh, Jesus who talked about the tower of the, of the tongue and the mouth and how we have to pay attention, right? So it's, it's, the, it's the ability to navigate life. And that's why this series want to help everybody navigate, not just in a way that you, are, um, you do well in life, but you're successful and that you even can multiply uh, the impact on others, all right? And so um, that's, that's what the series is about. Uh, really, the, the, the tongue, it's the smallest yet the largest troublemaker in your life. So if you know what the smallest yet the biggest troublemaker in life, it's this little muscle in your mouth called the tongue, all right? It's your mouth. And if we can learn how to um, rein this in and, and control this, we can actually see a lot of success in our life because this is what gets us into trouble almost the most, all right? Um, and here's the thing. When it comes to our mouth, when it comes to the things we say, um, you know, when we, the words that we speak always have an impact. It's interesting how, like, when it comes to the business world, when it comes to the corporate setting, we understand this intuitively, right? So you're, you go into a meeting, you're representing your boss, you're really careful what you say about your company, about your boss to the other people you're working with or to the other pe- companies you're representing, right? Because you're not representing yourself, you represent somebody else, and the words that you speak can actually get you in trouble or they can actually come with promotion, right? And so we get this in the, in the business world. We know, like, there's reward and consequence, but somehow it doesn't always translate into our relationships at home or uh, with, with those closest to us or those that we don't know. Uh, sometimes we forget that our words actually are representing somebody else, but they're also having an impact in our lives. And every, every word we speak has a reward or consequence, some kind of repercussion, some kind of um, outcome that's attached to it. That's how our words are. So when we go to work and we represent others with our words, we know, hey, if we say something really dumb, foolish to others, 
I could possibly lose my job. I could possibly, you know, be demoted or, or lose my position, right, my authority. Uh, we, we get that. Well, life is the same way. In everything that we speak, we're either um, promoting and helping and adding or we're hurting ourselves and taking it away. And that principle just runs through a whole life when it comes to the words we speak. So this small thing, it's the smallest part of our body, almost the smallest part of our body that has uh, the, the most impact in our lives and, and the things that we see. So we said this for this series. Here's what John, we need to do is we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak. And we said do like this, right? So, so whenever you're um, in, a, in a moment where you're, the temperature is rising and you want to say something, maybe out of, out of emotion, out of anger, out of frustration, like calm down, breathe, right? In fact, maybe even turn your hands up just to remind you like, hey, be open in this moment. Don't close up. Don't go into a fight. Just like stay open, stay, stay, stay ready. And it's really quick to listen and you slow, slow to speak. So in my marriage, um, I don't get this right all the time, but it seems as the years go on, I get better and better at this, right? Um, I realized that everything I think shouldn't be said, <laughs> right? It's like a, I thought something and I said it, and then the outcome was like, that was disastrous. That was horrible. We fought over something that was really petty because I opened my mouth and just let it come out, right? Um, so if, when I'm quick to listen and slow to speak, things go pretty good in my marriage. And when I do the opposite, when I am quick to speak and slow to listen, um, it, the, the, the conversations don't typically tend to go as well as they could. Um, they end up usually, um, so when I get these reversed, they usually end up in disagreement, argument, fight, um, you know, cold shoulders, all that stuff that comes with that, right? Um, but as, as we practice in our, our marriage, especially myself, when I am really, really slow to speak and I'm quick to listen, which means I pause and I, I think about what I'm going to say, I pause and listen to what she has to say, um, th- it works out better. Um, and, and, and through the years, I get better at this because I realize I don't have to say everything I think. I don't have to say everything that I feel at the moment. Like, just think about this. You know, open up man. be quick to listen and slow to speak, Eric. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. Slow down. Don't just speak it because you think it or feel it. Because uh, in the heat of the moment, we can say stuff that brings actually hurt. Because here's what I know about the conversations my wife and I have. We both want the same thing. We both want to be heard. We both want to be understood. Uh, a lot of times we both want to be right. And, and what happens in arguments or in conversations is sometimes even though you're right, you actually don't even win the fight. Like you could be right and still lose the fight. You know that? Like it, it happens. But how you say it, what you say, the things that you're, the, what's coming across. And, and a lot of times it's from the mouth that cause all of these issues. It brings life or it brings death. In fact, Proverbs 18:21. We, we read this the first week. Words kill or words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You get to choose. Your words either will give life or they're going to kill they're either poison or fruit. It's your choice. In fact, another translation says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Uh, so today we're going to talk a little more about that. What, is, what, is, what do we do? So hopefully these last three, three weeks that we've talked, you've gotten the picture that there is a lot of um, negative things that could come with our words, right? There's a lot of destruction that can happen. Uh, last week I talked about uh, Alfred Nobel and TNT and how his legacy was going to be one thing, but he chose to change it. My hope in that story and even this whole series is that you will begin to pay attention to the words you speak because you're going to leave a legacy behind. And your legacy, I promise, will be attached to the words that you speak to others um, and the things you do to others and the things they remember you saying, how they felt when they were around you. That's what your legacy is going to be attached to, and we get to choose to do something with it. So hopefully we've painted enough of a picture for you to say, okay, our words are really, really important. So now what do we do with this? Well, we're going to give you some more tools today to know, right? Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. Uh, Paul, um, in, the whole, in, this, in this book of, of Ephesians, he's talking to, to Christ followers, to Christians, Jesus followers. 
All right. So if you're here today, you're not a Jesus follower. Some of the things he has to say will really help you. Um, but if you call yourself a Christ follower, this would be he's speaking to you saying, all right, guys, pay attention here, uh, because if you miss this, you're going to miss a lot. In fact, this whole chapter, he really begins to talk to to Christ followers, Jesus followers and says, all right, here's here's what you need to do when it comes to following Christ. Don't go back to your former way of life without when you weren't following Christ. In fact, take off some of those things, put them away. Right. So that you can begin to live in a new way. Um, and, he, and he goes on, he talks about how instead he says, uh, uh, said lying and instead of doing things that hurt, uh, speak the truth in love. Um, another thing, he's, another place he says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. He's talking about uh, the things that we sp- say, like make sure that you speak, uh, watch that you pay attention that you speak and what, you wa- what, you're, what you're saying. And then he goes on and says this, and this is where we're going to focus on today. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Unwholesome means distasteful, right? Uh, something that you would eat that would be bitter, that be that would wouldn't be good, right? That would be stinky, that would be smelly. You, you are, you've experienced. You go to the fridge, you're like, what is that smell? Then you find that container that's been in there for like a, two years, right? And you open it up, and you're like, oh my goodness, that would be unwholesome, right? So something that's rotten, something that stinks, something that that would come out of your mouth that would actually be uh, repulsive and push people away. So he's saying, don't let anything that's distasteful come out of your mouths. So guard your mouth, pay attention. Don't just let the emotions, don't let the things that are inside just spill out if there is things there still. And we'll talk about that. You have to deal with that. But he's saying just be, be careful what you're saying. In fact, he says, but only what is helpful for building others up. So he still uses this construction term, right? We, we get this picture, right? You go to a job site. You go see somebody's house being built or a building being built. A few, few um, months ago, we saw the big hospital being built on the south side, right? You saw the, the work that goes into it and how long it took to get that right. Well, every day they were building it up. Can you imagine if somebody went in there every day and began to tear it down, how long that process would have taken, what they would have, the results would have been? They were building it up. They kept adding to it. They kept making it better. They kept uh, doing things to, to, to get it to that finishing point. Well, he's saying here, so don't let anything that's distasteful come out of your mouth, right? But only those things that are actually helpful for building others up. So in your life, as you're speaking to others, those things that come out of your mouth, are they building others up or are they tearing them down? Are you speaking life into others, or are you speaking death where it actually tears down and has a negative impact on their lives? In fact, he says, building others up according to their needs. Um, we get this, right? We want, always want our needs to be taken care of. He's saying, all right, so take that same, that same idea, that same desire you have, and just give it to others. Um, use, use what your desire to, to help you understand, okay, in this moment, I would really want to be respected. In this moment, I'd really want to be talked to with, with, um, with honor and respect. So maybe I should talk to others that same exact way. So he's saying building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. We all want to be benefited by when people speak to us. I don't know about you, but I don't think you enjoy a, a tongue lashing from somebody you don't know or from somebody that doesn't know you well or a stranger or even somebody you love. Like it's not pleasant to be on that side, right, when unwholesome things are coming out of their mouths and you're receiving it. Well, he's saying in this case, when you speak, may, may it be a way that benefits those who are listening to the words that you say. Pay attention. Don't just let anything come out. So he, he essentially saying our words are like building materials. Your words are like building materials. Will they get better because of what you're saying today? Will the words that you speak, are they actually building others up and helping them to realize uh, really who they want to become and what, what the potential that's in them? Or are your words only expressing negative negativity and things that um, words that are actually pulling down and destroying those who listen? Because uh, this is what I know about our lives, right? When it comes to our words, our greatest contribution, your greatest contribution, my greatest comp- contribution, it most likely will not come from me or from you, 
but from somebody that we raise up. This would be somebody that we speak to a lot, like our kids, like those that what we mentor and pour into. Your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God and maybe even possibly this world most likely will not come directly from you, but from others that you influence, others that you raise up. I understand this about my life. Like, I, I love the fact that God allows me to do what I do, but this is what I know, that there are people that I have in the past have spoken into that have built up that are going to do way more beyond what I could ever imagine or dream that I could, that I could do. Because God's going to take what, what they, they have, their giftings, and use them in an incredible way. And in your life, God's going to use you to pour into others and to, and to raise up others and to help others so they can have an impact on this world. In fact, we understand this is a, it's something we value at the Grove, is we understand that the Grove is not the most important thing. So if, if every other church in Santa Fe grew and, and we didn't, we celebrate. Like that, that, that week, that year, if others grow and we don't, we celebrate because it's about the kingdom of heaven, not about the Grove. We don't want just the grove to grow. We want the kingdom of God to grow. And so we use our resources, our time, our words, our influence to help build the kingdom, to build others up, to speak into others' lives so they can have an impact. And that's part of our culture of our church is let's be generous with our life. Let's be generous with our words. Let's be generous with our time so that we can raise up others. Because the truth is somebody that we're pouring into, somebody that we're investing into, somebody that we are raising up, like for me, for my, for my life, it's possible that my kids may be the greatest contribution that i make to this world or to the kingdom of god if i steward that well the reverse could be true also the people that we influence the people that we mentor can actually be the worst contribution that we can add to this world we've seen this when parents or teachers or people haven't used their influence well and they, they degrade and they speak down to those and they they tear down those lives what becomes of it our words are powerful they make a difference and your greatest impact will be somebody else you know there's a, a man his name is Edward Kimball. I don't know if you've ever heard of Edward Kimball, but it's quite possibly that you have been influenced by, by the influence of Edward Kimball. Um, there's another name, D.L. Moody. Uh, some of you might know that name, some of you might not. But in, on April 21st of 1855, there was a man, Edward Kimball, in Boston, went into a shoe store. And during that visit to the shoe store buying shoes, he, made, he encountered a young man named Dwight L. Moody. And D.L. Moody would that day become a Christ follower. He would commit his life to Christ and later on go on to become one of the world's greatest evangelists of our time. In fact, D.L. Moody's influence is still alive today, even though he's long and gone. The books he's written, the people he's influenced, the things that he's done have, have, have had a, a ripple effect around our world and specifically our country. Edward Kimball one, one day went into the shoe store to buy shoes. And when he left, he had an impact of building somebody up, speaking life into somebody Edward Kimball's greatest contribution might not have come directly from what he did with his actions in his time, but from somebody he built up and poured into. In your life, who is that possible D.L. Moody? Who are those people in your life that you might be pouring into or, or encouraging or loving on, that they have so much gifting and so much potential that they're going to have an incredible impact for, for the world and for the kingdom of God? Because they're there. God's put them in our lives. And our job is to partner with him and to help him to be able to, to, to help others to know. So really, what will your legacy be? What will, what will your legacy be? What are people going to say about you? Last week, I talked about Alfred Nobel and how uh, they, they mistakenly thought he died and his legacy was the merchant of death is dead. And in that moment, he realized that is not a good legacy to leave. I need to change that. So he made a decision to change his legacy by, by doing some really good things, starting a really good foundation that would cause a lot of good around our world. And now he's not just known for the destruction of TNT, but he's known for the good that he's helped um, inspire and even celebrate so that others can say, hey, I want to be part of this. I want to use my life for good. Um, so for you, what is, what is that? Because it will be connected to what you say. 
It'll be connected to how you treat others and how, what you do with your life. Um, let's talk about our legacy as a church. All right, so five years. Um, here's, here's what we've seen uh, God do through us and in us. And it's only because of God. I celebrate and I'm so thankful that God will allow us to have an impact like this. So in the last five years, we've seen 833 people make a decision to take that step to follow Christ. Isn't that awesome? I think that is so, so good. And 86 of those people took the second step of water baptism, saying, I'm going public with my faith. I want to, I want to show the world that I am following Jesus, that, that he is the Lord of my life, and I'm going to move forward with it. And so taking that step, so we celebrate that. Isn't that awesome? 86 baptisms. So, so, so good. We're seeing about 100 kids come every single month to our G-Kids. Isn't that awesome? 100 kids in our city are being reached. So good. I'm so proud of our G-Kids team, but this is where we're at now. And over the years, uh, last five years, that's a lot of kids represented. They're not just 100, but, but hundreds of kids that have come through, that have, have impacted, have been loved on by our team, by our church. Um, the next generation is so, so important. In fact, it, we value it so much that we say this is a priority. We budget for it. We, we do our best to help raise up to reach. Uh, we create environments and, and services that will touch and reach the next generation uh, for young people and young families. And so thank you so much for being a part of helping us do that. In fact, one of my favorite pictures over the last five years, um, it's a picture of, of Meredith. Um, and I don't know if Meredith here. She's not here today. Yeah, we, so let me, let me tell you a little about this story. So one of the reasons, I, there's a lot of great memories and pictures of the year, but this is one that just stands out to me as, as why we do what we do as a church. So Meredith has moved from the East Coast. She came to Santa Fe. And uh, Meredith, uh, this, at the moment of this picture, was 70 years, 72 years old, uh, unchurched. Her whole life. Uh, didn't go to church. And somebody invited her to come to the Grove. And Meredith came to the Grove. And the first Sunday she came and she sat through our service and just cried the whole service. So she came back next week. Said, all right, I want some more of that. She came back and she cried the second service. And then the third week, the whole third service. And then the fourth Sunday, uh, she, she came to service and just had this, this experience where she was just encountering something different, something new. God's presence, his love. And the fourth week, she was one of those 830 people that says, I want to commit my life to Christ. And then a couple weeks later, she was one of the 86 people that said, I want to take the next step and, and, and go public with my faith, and, and, and we baptized her. And you can see the joy on my face just knowing that, yeah, so good. The joy on my face knowing as a church we had an impact on somebody's life. 72 years, not connected to God, not connected to church, decides to come, has this encounter, has this impact. Well, let's just marry this story. There are, there are hundreds of people that have a very similar story to Meredith about how God is impacting them. And I can imagine the next five years, the other hundreds of people that will have this kind of impact. Why? Because we, together as a team, come together as a church and we say, let's, let's do what, what you can do. I'll do what I can do. And together we can do so much more together. Because there's people you can reach that I'll never be able to reach. And there's people that I can reach that you'll never be able to reach. But together we can reach them. Together we can make a difference. Um, one of the things that I love that our church does is, uh, is um, we, we model generosity, right? So we say, don't just give your time, your treasure, your talents. Like, that's important, right? Uh, but as a church, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to look for opportunities to give away from ourselves. And so we budget in the year, every year, to give away 10% of everything that comes in to start churches, uh, to, to give towards missionaries, to give to causes that are doing, doing good around the world. Um, and then on top of the 10%, so we encourage you guys, right? So you start with 10%. God, we put you first. It's called the first fruits. So for us as a church, our very first thing we do every month is we send that 10% to go help other uh, missionaries and things accomplish their good. And then we encourage people, all right, so we start with the first fruits, but then we go above and beyond as gener- generosity, as God enables us, right? So we look for opportunities to, to go above and beyond that. 
Well, our church for the last five years has gone above and beyond just the 10%. In fact, 15% of everything that's come into our church has gone away to do a lot of good. Some of that includes 26,000. This will be the last three years that our church has sponsored to feed kids in Haiti. That is a significant number. That means there's a lot of kids who are going to school, getting education, getting food because of your generosity, because of our generosity together. Out of that 15%, 64,000 to church planning. We've invested 64000 to start other churches. In fact, um, we've, we as a church the last five years have had a direct impact in helping start 18 churches around our nation. That's awesome. It is so good. Yeah. In January of 2020, we're, right now our church is coaching three couples who will be launching churches um, in Texas and in Colorado uh, in the beginning of this next year. So we'll add to that 18, another three. Uh, that we are helping start, that we're pouring into, that we're coaching, that we're resourcing, that we're influencing, that we're building up, right? It's pretty awesome. Um, last, last year, our church helped uh, coach five existing church pastors who are leading their church to encourage them to help them do things, to do church better, to, to be a community that's stronger. So we spent time influencing and coaching them. This year, we're currently coaching 10 existing churches and pastors to say, hey, we believe in you. We want to see your churches have an impact. We believe your best days are ahead. Right, and so we're, we're influencing, we're pouring into that. Uh, another twenty-four thousand of, of that fifteen percent has gone, gone to mission missionaries around the world uh, that are having an impact on those around them. See, so the people that we invest in, it's quite possible that our greatest impact can be a little Haitian boy or girl that will someday become the Haitian president and bring change to that whole nation. That's what I believe. When I'm generous and I give towards causes like Feed One, I'm saying, God, would you take this this little bit that we give every month? And would you raise up some little boy, some little girl to have an influence that they'd have an impact on the whole nation? And God, not just that, but they'll begin to have an impact on this whole world. And it's quite possible that the, that the kids that we're influencing, the kids that we're helping get educated and to break the, the, the cycle of poverty will be some generation changers and be some nation changers. I believe it. And the people we're coaching, the churches will become some of the greatest churches that we'll ever see in, in our country because we had the ability to say, hey, let's encourage you. Learn from us. You know, help, let us help you to, to, to do um, even more than you think you can do. It's an amazing privilege that God would say, would you use your life to help others? In fact, this is why God gives us authority in the first place. The reason God allows us um, to have income, the reason God allows us to have authority and influence in others is to always be a blessing. Don't forget that. If God has blessed you, it's because he's saying, I want you to be a blessing. And the greater you manage the blessings he's given you, the more he could trust you with more to bless even more. And so my prayer for a church is even as, as we've been faithful, that God will continue to pour, open the windows and continue to pour out blessings upon you, upon our church, so we can be even greater blessing. Can you imagine out of those 18 churches that we helped start, if just four of them would have the same kind of impact that we would, that'd be a 200% impact for the kingdom of God in these next three, four years. That'd be incredible, wouldn't it? So what we're seeing is pretty awesome, but can you imagine if we can multiply that over and over? Well, in your life, the same is true for you. If, there, if you can impact three or four people and those around you, and they can have a similar impact to you, imagine the impact you would have on our world, on our city, on our community, on the workplace. And it just starts with somebody saying, all right, I'm going to do something with what God has given me. I'm open-handed. Uh, what's another exciting thing is the last five years as a church, we participated with Bike for Light. In the last five years, our church has had an Im- impact of raising 144000 That's $144,000 to go help organizations like Teen Challenge, buy vehicles, Convoy of Hope, buy vehicles, missionaries who serve kids in Brazil, the poorest of uh, uh, kids in Brazil. They're serving them there. Uh, organizations uh, that, that help rescue kids from, um, from human trafficking and, and women from human trafficking. 
That, that's a significant money. In fact, the money we raised with the bike flight, it doubles what we've given away as a church together. It, it, our impact has been exponential. In five years, this is very significant because um, we are having an impact. And what's really cool about Bike for Light is um, the, the, for the last uh, eight years that we've been a part of this and, and helping, um, the, overall, all these churches that have worked together have raised almost half a million dollars in the last eight years. That's, that's significant. That's awesome. And we're only believing for more in these next few years as we are faithful and saying, well, let's do our part. What I love about this number and that number that we just shared is a lot of people that give towards this would call themselves atheists, agnostics, Maybe, maybe don't want anything to do with God, but they hear of the, the causes we're doing. They say, I, I, I want to see that. I want to see people rescued from human trafficking. I want, I want to see people get off of, uh, drugs and, and be free from addictions. I'll give towards that. And so if a lot of people have given to this. They would never give to our church, but they're willing to give to that. So we look for opportunities like this. Where can we have the greatest impact? So let me ask you a question. What do you think about ROI, our, our return on investment these last five years? Do you think it's significant? I would say yes. Yeah, yeah, so good. I personally don't think there's a greater um, way to invest our time, our energy, and our treasure than in the local church. I, I, I personally believe that is the greatest way that we can invest what God has done with our time, with our talents, with our treasure. So if you're wondering, when I give on Sundays, is it making a difference? Here's what we're doing in five years. Can you imagine what that's going to look like in 10 years? And in 15 years? Uh, just so you know, as a church, we've been able to, to do all that we've done with 80% of everything that comes in because we've been good stewards. So we've been saving also, saying, all right, let's save for the future opportunities. Let's do something amazing. You know, our impact on Sunday mornings in the theater is one thing. Our impact out on the, on the camera is another thing. In fact, there's a, a lady who watches us from Texas. Her name's Ashley. Ashley, if you're watching, hello. Uh, we love what God's doing in your life. Um, who began to watch our church services, and God began to do something in her life that has had impact. It's quite possible that there are Ashleys out there that are watching us that may be one of the best, biggest ways that we have a contribution to this world. And we're doing it. In the future, I'd love for it to see our technology get even better, where we can have even greater reach and help others to know God and his kingdom. But it doesn't happen by accident. It happens by us saying, we're made for this. We come together and say, together we can do more than we can by ourselves. Uh, so I think, man, let's keep doing what we're doing. So he goes on. Let's, let's keep going where Paul is talking about, all right? Uh, so Ephesians is saying, don't let anything wholesome come out of your mouth, right? But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So, he, so, so grieve the Holy Spirit is essentially this idea that we wouldn't actually work against what God is doing. So when we speak evil or bad to, to somebody, we actually grieve God because he's saying, no, 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 that's working against what I'm trying to do. Like I'm trying to build this person up, not tear him down. And your words are doing the opposite. So you're grieving me. You're, you're, you're doing the opposite of what I'm trying to do. But rather, let me partner with me that we bring more heaven to earth. More of heaven in the conversations, more of heaven in the words that we do. And we'd say, God, we, we trust you. We want to uh, follow your lead. We want to help you uh, see more of you in our lives. In fact, he goes on and says this after he says, um, uh, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He says, get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all bitterness. Um, so essentially he's saying, the root, you want to know the root cause? There's some things in your life. When, when unwholesome talks come out of your mouth, there's something going on inside. Remember, Jesus said, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when we use words to cut down, when we use words to hurt, when we use words to tear down, they're coming out from somewhere within. It's not like, oh, you know, some people are like, I don't know where that came from. Well, if it wasn't in you, it wouldn't have came out. So there's something inside of you that's coming out. And Paul is saying, all right, guys, so if you want to build up and not tear down, if you want to be the kind of people that, that add to what God is doing, you need to get rid of some stuff that's inside of your life that's going to keep you back 
Because what happens is uh, bitterness will always show up in the words that we say. When we haven't dealt with something from the past, it shows up in the words that we speak. In fact, some of us in this room, the reason we say things is because there's things that have been spoken to us that we haven't dealt with, and it just shows up in our words because there is bitterness inside of our lives. So the root, where, where is that? If you're going to be a builder, not a demolisher, you have to get rid of it. This, this idea of get rid of is like you have to pack it up, right? You have to pack it up. You get that trash bag, and you gather it all together. You take it out to the, to the, to the dump or to the little thing in the street, the little, what's that called? Trash? That thing. You put it in there at the curb, and you leave it and let somebody else take it. That's what it means to get rid of. Like, you no longer hold on to it. You see, part of the problem is we hold on to things that have been said to us and spoken to us, and yes, they hurt, and they've caused a negative impact in our life. But the reason we can have a positive impact is because we haven't dealt with that. One of the reasons we have freedom groups is because we want to help deal with those things. But one of the reasons we have small groups is so we can help deal with some of those things. Get in a small group. They're so, so important. Um, you cannot be a builder if you're bitter. That's just, that's just the principle every day you need to learn is you cannot be a builder. You cannot be a builder if you are bitter. If you have bitterness in your life and unforgiveness and hurt towards people, I mean, you're not going to be a builder. You're going to be constantly tearing down and speaking things that hurt others. Uh, my wife put up a post on her story on social media this last week. And uh, here's, here's what the, the post says. I don't even have it up here. Um, Never trust your tongue when your heart is bitter. Hush. Hush until you heal. That is so good. That is so, so good. Never trust your tongue when your heart is bitter. Why? Because if your heart is bitter, bitterness is going to come out through the words you say. The hurt that you have inside will come out through the words you say. So if there are those moments where you want to say something that's going to be hurtful, you should just hold your tongue, be quiet, because there's something in your life you haven't dealt with, and it's trying to come out to that. So if you're going to be a builder, you have to learn to be able to say, all right, I'm not, I can't trust the things that are coming out of my mouth right now because I haven't dealt with what's going on on the inside. And God is saying, I want you to be a builder. So be free from those things so you can move, go on. So um, he continues on in Ephesians. He says this. I'll go to the next one for me. I never trust your tongue when your heart is bitter. Um, bitterness requires forgiveness. So when he's talking about getting rid of bitterness, bitterness always requires forgiveness. If you want to get rid of it, you have to learn to forgive. It comes, so bitterness, it comes from words that were spoken to us and about us that bring, have brought wounds and hurts to us. So bitterness, words that come from bitterness, it's paying back others for what somebody else did to us. And we're, we're, we're hurt, so we give hurt. We're, we're angry, so we give anger. We're bitter, so we give out more bitter and we cause other people to be bitter. So he goes on and says, we get it like this. Forgiveness is giving someone from the past what they don't deserve, so we give those around us what they do deserve. Forgiveness is giving from the past to somebody what they don't deserve. They don't deserve it. They hurt you. They spoke it. They don't deserve it because the words came out. But you're going to give them something they don't deserve, so you can be free from this, so then you can begin to give others what they don't deserve. And this is the kind of people God is looking for. Life-giving people who say, you know what, I'm going to give to others even though they don't deserve. And Paul tells us why. So look at this. He says, get rid of all bitterness. And then he adds on some other things. Get rid of rage and anger and brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. So essentially, he's saying, get rid of words that demean, right? Demeaning somebody, really saying you don't matter. Uh, Get rid of words that degrade. Degrade essentially saying, I'm going to, you don't make the grade. I'm going to lower it. You don't measure up, right? So he's saying, don't, don't demean, don't degrade, don't disrespect. Disrespect is saying you're not worthy of my respect. You're not worthy of my honor. You're not worthy of this. And the problem is God says the opposite to every one of those things. God, God says you really, this person really does matter to me. That person doesn't, they might not measure up, but I'm going to help them to measure up. I'm going to help them to become better. 
Um, they're worthy of my respect. And, and God says, I want you to treat others the same way I've treated you. Notice this. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Notice how what he wants you to do to others. What does he want to do? He wants you to do the same thing he did to you. Well, um, did he demean you? No, he says, you matter to me. I care for you. In fact, I care so much, I sent my son to die on that cross for you. Did he degrade you and say, you don't measure up? He says, no, the things you've done don't measure up, but I've given you a way to, to, to make that right with me. And he says, um, I'm going to show respect. I'm going I'm to love you. And then he says, do this to others. Be kind, compassionate one another, forgiving them the same way Christ has forgiven you. So the same way God has forgiven you, God says, now go and forgive others. Even when they don't deserve it, would you forgive so you can be a builder? So speak to others as God has spoken to you. Learn to speak to others the same way that God speaks to you. Does God speak to tear you down? No. He speaks to build you up. He always speaks to help us. And even those moments, so part of speaking uh, truth and with, with grace and with love is saying hard things sometimes to help the other person get better. But he does it with grace and with truth. He's always saying, use your words in a way that would help others. See, I heard like this, grace, grace and truth, the words that we speak, if, if you're lacking grace or truth, it's not helpful. But if you have grace and truth, you begin to build up and help others. So, so grace without truth would be like going to the doctor and getting anesthesia, but no surgery ever happening. So you need surgery, and you go to the doctor, and he's like, all right, here's the anesthesia, make you feel good, but we're not going to really deal with the problem. We're just going to make you feel good. And then if you have truth without grace, it's like going to the doctor and him operating on you without giving you any anesthesia. That's really painful and very hurtful, and in some cases, it actually cause more harm. So grace and truth is saying, you're, not only are you going to get the surgery you need, but we're going to give you something to help with the pain and help you during this process. That's grace, and that's truth. So when you speak to others in, in love, you're actually saying, all right, I'm going to say something that's helpful, but in a way that's going to help them get better. Not tear them down, not belittle them, not demean them, not degrade them, but to, to honor them, to love them. So speak to others the same way God has spoken to you. Proverbs 10:11 says it like this, the words of the godly are life-giving, a life-giving fountain. The words of the wicked conceal violent intentions. Your words are going to give life or they're going to bring destruction. Your words are going to build up or they're going to tear down. As a church, we want to be the kind of people that say we are life giving people so are your words that I, are the words that you use building up others or are they tearing them down the words that you speak are they building and adding to what god is doing in their life or are you working against god and you tearing people down are the words i use building others up or tearing them down another question we can ask is this are the words i use moving me towards or you can add somebody else moving other people towards being the person that they would want to be or that i would want to be are your words that you speak over yourself are they leading you to this journey to become better are they leading others to become better? Another question. Are your words, are, there, are, are they words that I would love my family to use? Are the words you speak the same words you want others to use? Because they are going to use them, especially your kids, especially those you influence. They will repeat the things you say. So are they words that I would love others to say? And then the last question is, are, you, are the, they words that I would love, um, oh, I'm sorry, if everything I said came true, what would I have in life? Think about this. If every single word you said this week came true, what would the results be? A beautiful building that was where you built up things? Or would be a, 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 a building that was in shabbles and broken down because of the words that you spoke? Because the truth is, the words you speak are building up or they're tearing down. You know, words like, um, you make me sick. If that came true, how many want to be sick? And some, of, some people that have actually spoken that over, them, over to others themselves actually became sick because they're saying, you make me sick. Like, <laughs> the presence of you actually literally makes me sick. And it's, it's words that, that potentially could come true. Or, man, you have so much potential in your life. You can do some great things with your life. 
the words that we speak, if they came true, what would the results be in your life? So Paul, he says like this, Ephesians uh, 4.29, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. This would be a good verse to, to remind yourself of constantly all the time. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of my mouth, but only those words are helpful for building others up, not tearing them down. Working with God, not working against God. So here's my challenge as we end our series. Um, would you be quick to listen? Quick to listen. In those moments, quick to listen, slow to speak. Slow it down. Ask another question before you say something. Get a clarifying idea, clarifying question so you can know really what's being said. You slow down, and then you're slow to speak. And then when you do speak, choose to only speak those words that build others up. What would, what would we look like? What would our church look like? What would our community look like if we became these kind of people that Paul challenges us to become? That our words speak. You know what I think we'd look like? Jesus. And I think our community can use a lot of Jesus, right? Speaking life into others speaking healing in others, speaking hope in others, building others up with our words. Your neighbor might be needing some life-giving words, and you might be the person God's looking for to speak life into that person. They might not have ever heard anybody else say there's potential in you. You can do this. You can overcome this. You can get through this. I believe in you. And that neighbor that you have an impact on can actually go around and have an impact on others in a powerful way. We never know exactly who it is that we're influencing. But if we choose to use our words to build up others, I can guarantee that those that we do influence will have an incredible impact. And when we get to heaven, we're going to celebrate all that God did in us and through us as individuals, as a church, because we're faithful to say, God, let us use our resources to build up others. Let us use our words to build us others. Let's do everything we can to build up others. God, help us. God, help us to do that. Can you imagine with me? Imagine with me what your family looked like. If you begin to speak words that built up, not that tore down. If you would stop speaking words that, that out of anger and out of bitterness and out of hurt, but you would deal with that and what could come of it and what you can actually speak in others' lives. In Romans 10, 8 through 10, we're going to end with this verse. He says this about our mouths. He said, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you confess, you speak out, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe, and that's where you're justified. You're made right with God. But it's with your mouth that you profess your faith, and you are saved. The words we speak make a difference, Paul's saying. And in this case, he's saying the best difference, one of the greatest things you can do in your life is begin to confess that Jesus is Lord in your life. And believe in your heart that he has, he's done an amazing thing and worked on that cross. And that same power that raised him from the dead, he wants to dwell in you and use you to make a difference. So today, as we end our service, there's some of you in this room that you don't confess with your life. You maybe have never confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he's God. And you've never believed in your heart that he died on that cross, but he's alive today. And that's the first thing that we need to do is if we're going to ever follow Jesus, follow God his way, is we need to say, God, I confess these things. So Paul says that if we will turn from going the wrong direction and go his direction, he'll lead us on this journey. So being a Christian means that being a Jesus follower says, I'm going to follow his lead. I'm going to stop going my direction. I'm going to go his direction, go his way. So today, do me a favor. Close your eyes and bow your head as we end our service. If you're here today and um, that would be you that I'm talking about, today you need to confess Jesus as your Lord. You need to make him the Lord of your life. You need to confess from your life the things that 
you've done that held you back from God? And you say, God, get, help me get rid of all these things in my life that, that only produce negative. Help me get rid of bitterness and anger and wrath and rage and all those things. Help me begin to be a person that, that gives life, life-giving person. So if you're here today, I'd love to lead you in a prayer. It's as simple as that, saying, God, an invitation for a relationship. I'll lead you right there in your seat. I won't call you to the front. But if that's you and you're here today and you would say, that's me, I, need, I want to pray this prayer. Would you do me a favor? Just lift your hand right where in your seat, right where you're at, and just say, that's me. Today, and you make a decision and confess that he is Lord. Awesome. See your hand. Anybody else? Awesome. See those hands. Anybody else? So good. For those who raise their hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. We're going to declare, Jesus, you're Lord of my life. Forgive me of my past. If you if you raise that hand, pray this prayer with me. And if today, if you're a Christ follower, would you pray with us? So those that raise their hand are not praying alone. Say this today. Say, Father God, Today, I acknowledge and I confess that Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. And because of that, I am saved. I put my trust in you today. Forgive me my past. Forgive me my sin. Created me a new heart and a new day to serve you and to love you. Work in me that can work for you. I can bless others and I can build up. Help me get rid of all the things inside of me that don't produce life so I can be a builder. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate those that prayed the prayer today. So good.